Welcome to Closer to Christ, the sermon podcast from St. Paul's Lutheran Church and The Bridge in Muskego, Wisconsin. You can learn more about our ministries at stpaulmuskego.org. And now for this week's message. Last week, uh, I think that many of us were surprised that uh, Jesus could turn to his disciples and say, hey, I'm not okay. And we tried to come to grips with the fact that, you know, for us as Christians, it is okay for us to look at somebody else and say, you know what, I am just not okay. And to need help. It's not necessarily sinful, to just say, hey, I'm not okay, I need help. And even where we have to say, boy, there there is sin, I know that I'm I'm filled with anxiety and, and I feel guilty about it, to know that Jesus was in that place of stress and he perfectly obeyed in the midst of all of that and that Jesus' perfection is credited to us. It is okay to be not okay that doesn't change the fact that you're a dear child of your Heavenly Father. And that's what we want to look at today as we, we, we do this second week on this whole idea of anxiety. He, he understands what it means to be under stress. And in his Sermon on the Mount, Jesus took up the whole issue of the what-ifs. You know, what-ifs are incredibly powerful. Uh, the the what-ifs can fill with, with all kinds of anxiety. And in the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus addressed that. So what I'd like to do is I'd like to share with you a Bible study tool that can be helpful. You see, that's one of the reasons why I wanted to do Psalm 139. Uh, I, I know that the most important spiritual things that you do are not coming to worship or watching online right now. The most important spiritual things you do is your own personal devotion life. If, if you're in God's word on your own, that will strengthen you in incredible ways. So when you're feeling anxious, I, I pray that I, I've given Psalm 139 to you as a, as a tool. And here's another tool. When, when you're anxious and, and there's a passage that you're going to lo- read, why not try reading it in different translations? So what I'm going to do is is I'm going to read our text from the Sermon on the Mount, first of all, in the message paraphrase. Now, it's a paraphrase, so it it isn't a word-for-word translation, but it's kind of like a commentary. And and I would encourage you to to read sections of the Bible in different translations to, to, to think about it in different ways. So I'm just going to start with the message paraphrase, and then I'm going to read that same lesson from the NIV to help us claim these truths. Because honestly, dealing with anxiety is not so much, I don't know the answers, it's Satan is keeping me from holding on to the answers, and I need the Holy Spirit to work through his word and sacraments to remind me of the answers. So this is Matthew chapter 6, first of all, in the message paraphrase. If you decide for God, living a life of God worship, it follows that you don't fuss about what's on the table at mealtimes 
or whether the clothes in your closet are in fashion. I don't think that's the way Jesus spoke, right? But it gives you a different perspective, right? There is far more to your life than the food you put on your, in your stomach, more to your outer appearance than the clothes that you hang on your body. Look at the birds, free and unfettered, not tied down to a job description, careless in the care of God, and you count far more than birds. Has anyone by fussing in front of the mirror ever gotten taller by so much as an inch? All this time and money wasted on fashion. Do you think it makes that much difference? Instead of looking at the fashions, walk out into the fields and look at the wildflowers. They never primp or shop, but have you ever seen color and design quite like it? The 10 best dressed men and women in the country look shabby alongside them. If God gives so much attention to the appearance of wildflowers, most of which are never even seen, don't you think he'll attend to you, take pride in you, do his best for you? What I'm trying to do here is to get you to relax, to not be so preoccupied with getting so that you can respond to God's giving. People who don't know God and the way he works fuss over things, but you know both God and how he works. Steep your life in God reality, God initiative, God provisions. Don't worry about missing out. You'll find all your everyday human concerns will be met. Give your entire attention to what God is doing right now and don't get worked up about what may or may not happen tomorrow. God will help you deal with whatever hard things come up when the time comes. So that's, in, in a sense, a, a commentary, a, a paraphrase of the text that I want to read to you now from Mark chapter 6, beginning at verse... I just realized I, I didn't bring a Bible up, so I'm going to pull up my Bible app. If, if you have a Bible app, while I'm fumbling with the Bible app, you can pull up Matthew chapter 6 as well. Matthew chapter 6, beginning at verse 25. So this is a, a, more of a translation rather than a commentary on what Jesus said. Therefore I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or drink, or about your body, what you will wear. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothes? Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or store away in barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? Can any of you by worrying add a single hour to your life? I just thought of something. I'm going to go back and let you follow along as I'm reading this and compare. So this is just a little bit uh, farther. So, and why do you worry about clothes? See how the flowers of the field grow. They do not labor or spin. Yet I tell you that not even Solomon in all his splendor was dressed like one of these. If that is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow is thrown into the fire, will he not much more clothe you, you of little faith? So do not worry saying, what shall we eat? Or what shall we drink? 
or what shall we wear? For the pagans run after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. You see, I was trying to follow along at the same time. That paraphrase is, is so different, but I really appreciate it. It just gives you a different flavor. So, the paraphrase tries to put worry into our modern day terminology, you know, when, when we think about what will we eat, it's more, there's nothing good in the refrigerator. In Jesus' day, you know, most people lived a subsistence life. What will we eat was really a question, will we get to eat anything today? Or will we go to bed, home, go to bed hungry, right? What will we drink there wasn't water fountains at every place. If you didn't bring enough water along, what am I going to drink? Most people didn't have more than one set of clothes. So as that, you, know, you see the, the, the winter coming, you go, what am I going to wear? This is all I have, and now it's threadbare, and how am I going to stay warm this winter? What will I wear? These were life and death issues. And Jesus said, ah, don't worry about them. Don't let your, your mind be, be tied up in knots. You see the word for worry in Greek is, is a, a word that's, that has a, the idea that your, your mind is all, all you know, divided into a, a thousand different pieces. You know, when you, when you, when you worry, you, you can't really focus on what you should be focusing on because there's all these things that are sparking through your head filling you with concern. All the what-ifs. And those what-ifs have an incredible power to produce anxiety. So Jesus talked about the, the what-ifs of the future. You know, what will I eat, what will I drink, what will I wear? What are the what-ifs of the future that cause you anxiety? What if I don't have enough for retirement? What if my, my health doesn't last? What, what, if, what if my spouse isn't here beside me? What if I never meet that special somebody in my life? What if I, I, I don't measure up at this job? What if? There's lots of what ifs of the future. What if of the past, they're powerful too. Pastor Keel, you know, is, is the most powerful example for me. You know, you probably all know that, that Pastor Keel, uh, he lost the tip of his finger this, earlier this summer. And he had to deal with the what ifs of the past. What if I had done something different when I was closing that door and getting out of the car, right? What if? 
What are the things of the past that trouble you? The couldas, the wouldas, the shouldas. I heard a comedian call them the, the unholy trinity of guilt and shame. The woulda, the coulda, the shoulda. What are the, the things of the past that you can't get out of, you can't change? And it just eats you up. They're powerful, aren't they? And then the, the what-ifs of the present. What am I going to do now? I have so many of my friends who are going through life-changing events. What am I going to do? How, how should I respond? I, I don't know what I should do. You know, should I go this route or that route? There's nothing clear. My future suddenly is, is incredibly foggy, and, and I don't know what if I make a mistake in the next day, in the next week, in the next month that is going to ruin the rest of my life. What if? What are the what ifs that are working powerfully in you and, and just filling you with anxiety, the, the, the cares that, that make it impossible to focus on work or school or, or what you're doing at the moment? You can't think about this sermon because you got all these what ifs going on in your head. And I would just want to remind you that, that what ifs are not just neutral. You see, Satan likes to use what ifs. You know, in, in 1 Peter chapter 5, the, the apostle Peter says, cast all your cares on, on, on him because he cares for you. The very next verse is, be sober and vigilant because your enemy the devil prowls around like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. The devil can use your what ifs. Not just fill you with anxiety, to, but to fill you with distrust in the Savior God. So Jesus speaks to the what ifs. What if of the past, the present, the future? He doesn't take each one of them uh, singly. He just he addresses all of them together. And that's what I want to do is what if? See, there's another set of what ifs in this gospel lesson. What ifs that can remove the anxiety and give us this peace? What if the Father considers you precious? Jesus said, are not you much more valuable than birds? What if the Father considers you precious? You know, why do I encourage you to read the Bible every day? Because it's, it's in God's word that you're reminded that you are precious even though you have all these what ifs that are spinning through your head. What if? What if you're so precious that according to Romans chapter 8, the apostle Paul said that if God has graciously given us his son, will he not also along with him graciously give us all things? You are so precious that he gave you 
his son to die in your place for your forgiveness so that you could be his child, not just now, but forever. You are precious. What if that is true? What if the most important person in the world considers you his dearest possession? You are precious to him. Don't worry. What if, what if the Father knows what he's doing? Your heavenly Father knows what you need even before you ask. What if all the things that, that are dividing your mind right now, the Father already goes, I know all about it, and I've already got it figured out. I've got these plans that I've laid out from the beginning of the world for you as my precious child. What if he really knows what he's doing? What if God can do this? What if he has the power to clothe the fields and he can clothe us and take care of us? And I love the, the, the message translation, paraphrase, that made me think about, you know, he closed the, the flowers of the field that nobody sees. I, you know, sometimes I see these incredible vistas that are only possible by, by somebody flying over them, you know? You know, just these beautiful mountain scenes. And you can go, what a waste. Nobody can really see that. What, what, why did God make it beautiful right there? There's nobody out there. Why, why did he do that? He's wasteful of his beauty. He's wasteful of his care. From our perspective, why are you making it beautiful where there's nobody out there to see it? You see, what if is really because it is so that you are precious to your father? It really is so that, that your father knows all the things that you're worried about and divide your mind. And your father has the power to respond. When we know those things as fact, and that's why we read God's word, Holy Spirit, convince me again that these what-ifs are really because it is so, those what-ifs, I am precious to my father. My father knows what he's doing, and my father can respond in the way that is very best for me. He's got the power. If those what-ifs are true, then the what-ifs change into so what? So what? I, I'm not saying that, that you don't care about the things that are, are important to you, but remember, Satan wants to use those what-ifs of the past, the present, and the future. He wants you to use those what-ifs to beat you down, to rob you of your faith, to rob you of the peace that you can have in Christ right now. But you can say to Satan when he throws those what-ifs into your face, so what? So what? Because I have a different focus. My focus is on God's righteousness. 
And that word righteousness can have a, a double meaning, a justification, sanctification meaning. Seek first his righteousness. Claim again that you are precious to your heavenly Father. Let that be your focus. You are perfectly forgiven. And as a perfectly forgiven, righteous person in God's sight for Jesus' sake, then, then I want my life to proclaim his glory. I, I want to live in a way that is righteous. And it's very often when things are going horribly wrong in our lives that God's name is best glorified. I was just sharing with Matt just before the, the service that, that a book that changed my life, little booklet, I can't find it anymore, but it was a booklet written by a pastor, Lutheran pastor, that was called All or Nothing. And, and the theme of it was let Jesus be all and let me be nothing. And, and, and he said, you know, if, if I get up and I preach a sermon and, and I just make a mess of it and, and I'm ashamed and, and I'm, you know, it's, it's horrible. But God is glorified by it. That's okay, right? Let me be nothing and Jesus be everything. Seek first his righteousness. That's, that's what I'm focusing on. Seek his kingdom. His kingdom. That the most important thing for me is that he rule in my heart and the hearts of others. And, and if, if your name is best glorified by me going through some incredibly difficult times, then, then Lord, that's okay. I can respond to Satan's what ifs by saying, so what? God is given me his righteousness. He is using me to proclaim his name and expand his kingdom. And then I'm going to just say, my worry? <laughs> it's not mine anymore. It's his. It's his worry. It's something that he has to worry about. You see, I worry about the roof on my house because I'm responsible for it, right? I worry about my furnace and my air conditioner. You know what? I don't worry about the roof here. I don't worry about the, the furnace and the air conditioner here at St. Paul's because th there's Bob and Joe who will worry about it. That's, his, that's their worry. I don't have to worry about it. You know, I don't have to worry about, you know, how does the keyboard sound? Because Julie will have to worry about that. I don't have to worry about it. I don't have to worry if, 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 if I remember the, the words of the song, this next song, because Mike and Emily are going to worry about that. I don't have to worry that, that I, I, I can't figure out how, how, you know, how do those guitar things work? I don't know, but I don't have to worry about it because, hey, Marshall and Ted are going to worry about that. And just ask my wife, I have no sense of rhythm, but I don't have to worry about that because Matt's going to worry about that. You see, the solution to our anxiety is not that God takes all the things that cause us anxiety away. It's just not going to happen. This is, this is a, a sin-cursed world. 
The solution is when Satan is throwing all of these what-ifs into your face and filling you with worry and anxiety. And you don't know what the future holds and you can't undo the past. And you don't really know what should I do in the next hour, in the next day. Trust that this is his worry and his plan will be worked out so that his righteousness is proclaimed through me and his kingdom comes through me. And the answers that I need today, they'll give me today. Because I pray every day, right? Just like you, give us this day our daily bread. The what-ifs are powerful. But the what-ifs of I'm precious to my Father, my Father knows what I need, and my Father has the power to help. Those what-ifs put my heart and mind at rest. You know, there's a prayer that was written about 90 years ago by a, a, a philosopher, a theologian, and they were these words were adopted by AA, and, and many of you know them. And I just want to pray this prayer over and over again so that we claim this, so that we can have, in the midst of our anxiety, this peace and serenity. Would you please stand and pray with me? God grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change, courage to change the things I can, and wisdom to know the difference. Now we're going to pray the Lord's Prayer in this next song, so I'm not going to pray that now, and we'll close with a benediction after the song, but I want to pray this prayer a couple more times so that it just becomes part of us, right? Because we know the answers, but it's just so hard to hold on to. We, we need the Holy Spirit's help to hold on to God's solution to our anxiety. So we pray again. God, grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change, courage to change the things I can, and wisdom to know the difference. It's easy and so hard. And so we pray. God, grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change, courage to change the things I can, and wisdom to know the difference. And God's people said, Amen. Thanks for joining us on the Closer to Christ sermon podcast from St. Paul's Lutheran Church and The Bridge in Muskego, Wisconsin. Closer to Christ podcasts are from our current sermon series and are released every Monday morning. For live stream services and other ministry information, please visit us online at stpaulmuskego.org.